Welcome to the podcast of Annihilation. I'm Greg Tito, host of Dragon Talk, the official Dungeons the Dragons podcast. To celebrate the wide launch this week of the latest Dungeons the Dragons storyline, Tomb of Annihilation, we worked with a cross-section of the community's favorite live play D&D podcast to record special episodes using material from the adventure. We love highlighting the creativity of these amazing players and Dungeon Masters, and hopefully you'll find one or two new podcasts to adventure along with in the jungles of Chult. To find out more about these groups and the Tomb of Annihilation adventure, head to dnd.wizards.com POA, or check out our live video programming on twitch.tv dnd. We'll be interviewing many of these creators on Dragon Talk. Welcome to the jungle. Enjoy this adventure in Chult, brought to you by Dungeon Rats. For the past several days, the talk of the streets and taverns has been all about the so-called death curse. A wasting disease afflicting everyone who's ever been raised from the dead. Victims grow thinner and weaker each day, slowly but steadily sliding toward the death they once denied. When they finally succumb, they cannot be raised and neither can anyone else, regardless of whether they've ever received that miracle in the past. Temples and scholars of divine magic are at a loss to explain a curse that has affected the entire region, and possibly the entire world. Each of you has answered the call of Sindra Sylvain, a retired adventurer residing in Baldur's Gate. She is commissioning an expedition into the jungles of Cholt because she believes the source of this wasting curse is located there. Sindra has arranged her passage on a vessel named the Catterick. It is a slender, nimble schooner that sports a single mast holding up a pair of triangular sails. You are currently sailing south along the Sword Coast, one day out from Baldur's Gate relatively misty morning, kind of cool. Dawn has broken about half an hour ago and you all are just kind of hanging out on the deck. You're eager to be there. A couple of you have been on this boat for a few days. Smell that. That's the winds of adventure blowing in our face for the third day in a row. It smells like discoveries on the horizon. Sorry, I just like to do these affirmations every morning to make sure I uh, am in the right mindset for making science happen. Andriana, a fearless archaeologist and shameless self-promoter, Andriana, or Endy to her friends, had just finished a book on her most recent expedition. 
She was seeking sponsorship for her next adventure when she first heard word of the Wasting Curse, along with Cinder Sylvain's call for heroes. She was on board the cataract at Waterdeep the very next day. The land just taunts us. It's so close that we can't stand on it. I hate boats. Mildrake. A gruff and pious mountain dwarf, Mildrake is guided by his loyalties and his dwarven god, Clangadin Silverbeard. Word of the Wasting Curse reached he and his fellow clerics as they were dispatching a raiding party near the southern edge of the Spine of the World. Though reluctant to leave his clan and his temple, Mildrake felt called to find a cure for this disease and set off on the cataract from the port of Luskin. You'll have less of a love of that land once we get into the jungle. As long as it's solid, I feel right. Well, if you feel right, then maybe you'll stop complaining. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to be up. Contrary, I'm just saying, we're all on this boat. Anastasia. A bright, if somewhat awkward human who has spent most of her young life tucked away in basements and attics with only books, maps, and illustrations to keep her company. She has an obsession for knowledge with a keen interest in strange fauna and flora. It was her dream to go on an expedition and discover new creatures. One morning, as she was feeling particularly restless, an associate of Cinder Sylvain's was standing in the public square and calling for scholars of sharp mind and exceptional constitution for a journey into the jungles of Cholt. She signed up immediately and boarded the cataract from the port of Neverwinter a week later. This is why I never bring quill pushers on expeditions. Ah! Quill pusher? I'm not a quill pusher. I read documents for a living. <sighs> I need documents. That is a very noble profession. Oh my gods. Well, on the bright side, I won't have to take copious notes. Actually, I'm looking for a ghostwriter for my next book. My previous one hasn't been returning any of my messages, and uh, she's definitely not getting paid if she doesn't. Well, why don't you just write it yourself? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Listen. Writing mm -hmm. is for people who sit down and let the science come to them. I am an archaeologist. I go where the science is, and I make the science happen. I'm too busy going to the artifacts, romancing Lady Science, what? ripping off the bodice of her secrets, oh, and making oh. sure that she unfolds herself to me. I don't write books. Who needs science when you have faith? Well can be not disproven. Mm -hmm. Tell me, what god is it that you prefer? <laughs> Clangadang and Silverbeard! Hmm. Tell me about Clangadang and Silverbeard. Who represents honor and justice mm. in battle. Those are all good things. We belong on the front lines. You looked so stoically. Thank you. That's the most stable I've seen you stand since you got on this boat. It's the most stable I have felt as well. Talking about Klingadang and Silverbeard. <laughs> it's truly beautiful. I've, I've only read that name. I've, I've never uh, heard it out loud, so that sounds right to me. As you actually say that, the ship swings towards land. And now you guys see this opening coming towards you. 
A damp morning chill clings to the sea as the cataract swings east toward the mouth of River Chayunthar for the 40-mile journey upstream to Baldur's Gate. A cloying fog steadily burns off as you sail further inland, and by the time you reach the city, the skies are bright and clear. Baldur's Gate clings tight to the granite bluffs that channel the river. The city is rich in trade. Its population is said to rival that of even Waterdeep, and the congested harbor that greets you reflects that boast. The captain barks orders and curses in a continuous rant as ropes and wood groan under the strain of several precarious turns. After half an hour of tense weaving and tacking, she orders the cataract sails to be brought in, and a dozen long oars set out to the waterline. Your dock is empty save for a single woman tall with reddish-brown skin and broad shoulders, who waits with arms across her chest and a slight scowl on her lips. So your ship kind of pulls up to the port. Uh, there's a bunch of shouting and people running around. Some ropes are tossed over. They're put over cleats, and you guys are starting to offload. Mildrake would run off the boat as fast as possible to try to get onto land. Excellent. Pushing through crowds. It's a pretty small boat. Aside from you guys, there's about a crew of eight. So oh. there's not a huge amount of people getting off this boat. Well, I push over all eight people. Yes. And get <laughs> Just shove past their legs. Yeah. Like hit the dock and start kissing it. Like, oh, I've missed you, land. Anastasia just saunters off the boat. She adjusts her glasses, smells the air, and just kind of walks down. Andriana flips herself over the side of the boat and like lands in a superhero pose on the side of it. Give me an acrobatics roll. Three plus eight is 11. It's not quite as cool as you think it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You kind of catch your foot over the railing, kind of make it so you land, but it's, you, you roll a little bit and then kind of the ta-da, like you meant to, right? Did anybody, everybody saw that? Yes, it was okay. Saw so what, what did you do? She jumped. Oh, great! Anastasia claps. <laughs> Good job! I like you. Yeah. I don't expect you to like like me like me. Yeah. I like you. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. I'm gonna walk up to the woman. Hello, I'm Anastasia Hemlock. It's fantastic to meet you. Hmm. These are my associates. Introduce yourselves, please. Andriana Jones. Doc Dr. Andriana Jones. I hold a doctorate in science. Mildrake Bubbleface. I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't quite get that. Uh, Mildrake Bubbleface. Is this the best that Syndra can do? Well, we are the best of the best, I think. We're pretty good. Two elves and a dwarf? Half elf. Wood elf. Half, only half. The back jacket of this book will regale you with all of my qualifications. She takes the book and she starts reading the back. And it's just like quotes from <laughs> and, and Andriana. Adriana. Like all the quotes are just like, looks great in a dress. Uh, <laughs> like, great personality. And it's all like quotes by her. <laughs> if this is the best we can do, we are in great danger. Well, that's my motto. Great danger. So, <laughs> I really don't see a problem here. <laughs> She turns around and starts to help the people on the boat unload. Sindra has a private carriage that is at the end of the docks waiting for you all. I say that we see Sindra. Well, that's what we're here for. Absolutely. You all just load up? Yep. yep. Juma is uh, leading this carriage, so she's like kind of on the top of it, riding where you guys are in the back, and she starts off. Baldur's Gate is a large metropolitan city kind of carved into the side of 
this a cliff and it's separated into wards. So there's the dock wards, then the lower wards, and then the upper wards where naturally the wealthier people are because that's why they would call it that. So you guys roll through the lower wards for a while and then into the upper wards and about 20 minutes later you approach this small vine-covered estate. A uniformed attendant leads you up a grand staircase to the third floor, then ushers you into a wood-paneled room with a fireplace, comfortable chairs, and a heavy table bearing goblets and bottles of wine. The darkly paneled walls are hung with maps and sea charts. Racks, shelves, and cabinets hold hundreds more rolled up maps and charts. A person is seated in an overstuffed chair near the fire. You can't discern a gender because only the person's head emerges from under a heavy blanket draped over the chair, and an embroidered hood and silver mask conceal the wearer's face. Even the person's dry, raspy voice provides no clue. Help yourselves to wine, and seat yourselves, friends. I hope I may call you that. Thank you so much for your hospitality. Yes, I will have some wine. Andriana is already halfway done with her glass of wine. She's like, oh. There's as many wine as you like, my dear. Mildred's just drinking wine, putting it down, drinking the next wine, putting it down. I'm sure you all have questions for me. Oh, yeah, many. One. Who are you? My name is Sindra Sylvain. I was an adventurer years ago. I died once and was raised from the dead. I've closed the book on that chapter in my life, but it seems like it has followed me here. I have the wasting curse some of you may heard about. As she's speaking, you can see that her arms are wrapped from elbow down in these heavy black claws. Like every part of her is covered. Her hands have gloves. You can't really see any of her. Mildred also takes three steps backwards away from her. <laughs> Fair enough. A Anastasia does the same, but it looks very, very subtle. Andy kneels before her and like takes her hand. She's like, I'm so sorry that this has afflicted you. About 40% of my readership are people who've been raised from the dead, and I, I understand this is going to be a great loss. She actually gestures to her bookshelf, and she has your book on it. Yeah. <laughs> I did quite enjoy it, my dear. It's how I found you in the first place. Juma steps forward. She has a tray and bandages and some scissors, and she starts taking out your old bandages and putting on new ones. Can I get a perception roll from any of you? 18. As they're being unwrapped, notice that beneath it, her skin is pale and gray and rotting, like it's just sloughing right off the bone. Mm. But she doesn't seem to respond, like she doesn't seem to be in a lot of pain. She just sits there very quietly, you know, and allows this to happen. How do you feel? I feel as if I am dying. Oh. <laughs> For how long have you had this uh, wasting disease? It has started about three weeks ago. The clerics have done nothing. I have talked to many priests, asked for many divinations. All they can tell me is that this is happening all over the world. And about what percent of your budget for solving this question have you run through up to now? I have spent quite a lot, my dear. Let's say one of us knows cure wounds. Would that help? No. Priests have cast their spells. All they can tell me is exactly when I will die. 79 days from now. 79 days. It's oddly specific. It is. There's a darkness in the jungles of Cholt. An emptiness. A sucking void that is pulling the souls towards it. The clerics and the priests can see this void, but not past it. 
Cinder, could you have contracted this while adventuring? Is this something other adventurers may need to uh, concern themselves with? I believe it is because I was raised from the dead. Everyone who has been affected by this was brought back from the dead through magics, and it appears that death is reclaiming our souls. Have you guys died before? I have not died, no. Mm -mm. I've been close, but never actually all the way there. Okay, good, good. You have not died. No. (laughs) What do you propose we do, Sendra? Do you have um, a plan laid out for us? Do you have maps? Do you have um, items we need to take with us? I am preparing a map. If this is in the jungles of Chult, as I suspect, there are some problems. Jungles of Chult? Chult is a peninsula ringed with mountains and choked with rainforests. Enormous reptiles, savage goblins, and an army of undead prowl its jungles and ruins. Mapping the place has always been nigh impossible, and nothing is known about the region's current geography beyond a few miles from its coast. However, working from dozens of sea charts, logbooks, and explorers' journals, I, with the help of some dear friends, am assembling everything known about the current state of Chult into one map. I'll provide it to you if you undertake my mission. Well, I accept. It's very hard to get an expedition funded, and self-funding is just not possible these days. So I accept your quest, and I wholeheartedly hope to return your investment. I cure your curse. The only investment I care about is my own soul at this point, dear. The money is not important. And at that point, she gestures towards Juma, and Juma would lay out a sack in front of each one of you, and there's a sack of 50 gold pieces for each of you. This should cover the initial expenses. Thank you. It should quickly grabs the the gold. If you solve this for me, there is much else I can give you. And she kind of lays a hand like over the arm of her chair where it rolls up into this knot and there's a glow underneath her hand and the wall behind her slides open and you can see just an array of finely ornate items. They must be magical. There's wands and staves and weapons and shields, all these ancient things, some with a glow about them. And then she waves her hand again and the wall slides shut. Each one of you can choose whatever item you want from my collection, should you be successful. Great. Hmm. Chult is the, the place with the, the dinosaurs, correct? Correct. In, in, interesting. Hmm. Noble beasts. I studied a village that worshipped these beasts, mm. and they, oh, I, I, Anastasia's like perspiring a little bit. She's super excited. I, I accept. I will find you a cure, and yes, that's what will happen. Wonderful. When you're ready to depart, I will teleport us all to Port Nyanzaru, the only major settlement in Chult. I've been there several times before, so there's little chance of mishap. Once there, I'll stay with a friend, one of the seven merchant princes of the city, while you all find lodging and a guide. Great. Can I also say, I, I have been a big fan of you for a really long time, and, um, and you trusting us to find your cure, wow. I appreciate that, my dear. My life is in your hands. I am doing this for more than just you, doing this to save everyone. And I appreciate that as well. And I don't need your material things, and he pushes the gold. Oh, I grab it. <laughs> <laughs> and Citra kind of nods like, you will probably need it. You may not appreciate these material things, but the people you'll have to negotiate with will. That sounds very smart. <laughs> Give me that back. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your gold back. Sliding it over. Thank you. Is everyone ready? 
I got my shield. Yep, I'm ready. I am ever ready for the dangers of expedition. And I, I just want to be clear. There's nothing else that you can give us that we might need at all. What else would you think you would need, my dear? Um, a reference letter. For when this is done, I am I'm looking for other expeditions. When this is done and you have brought me my salvation, I will sign whatever you want, my dear. Syndra leads you down a winding stone staircase until you reach the iron-bound door to her cellar. There is no knob or handle. Her fingers glide along the wood and magical etchings glow with her touch. A heavy thud echoes from somewhere within the walls and the door simply swings open. Seven torches alight at once in this octagonal room. Pale blue flames fill the chamber with a light that recalls that of a clear night's moon. An ornate circle 10 feet wide is etched into the floor with silver. Syndra walks to the center of the circle and motions for you all to take a place along its edge. Are you all ready? Syndra asks, pulling an ebony walking stick from her robes. The stick is decorated with the bulbous silver spider at the top. The arachnid's slender legs wrap down and around the stick, ending at a silver cap foot. We are ready and- um, Excellent, she says, barely waiting for an answer, and strikes the etched limestone beneath her feet. The torches explode and the room fills with silver fire that forces a hand to guard your eyes. The flames vanish and you appear in a tropical city under the blazing sun. The familiar sounds of a harbor Creaking ropes, slapping waves, heavy barrels rolling across cobblestones mingle with voices shouting and cursing in an unfamiliar language. The aroma of spices and tropical fruit mixes with the wharfside smells of fish, tar, and canvas. Port Nyanzaru is an explosion of color. Buildings are painted in bright shades of blue, green, orange, and salmon and their walls are adorned with murals portraying giant reptiles and mythical heroes. Every building sports baskets and clay urns of colorful flowers or is draped in leafy flowering vines. Minstrels in bright clothing adorned with feathers and shells perform on street corners. Multicolored pennants and sun awnings flutter atop the city walls. A crowd of children dressed in feathered hats and capes races past you squealing in delighted terror as a street performer costumed as a big-toothed lizard stomps and roars behind them. The whole city seems to be bustling, sweating, laughing, swearing, and singing. And he slaps Anna and Mildred on the back. She's like, you smell that, Cool Pushers? Do you feel this? This is what you do not experience cloistered away in the stacks of parchment. Ugh. Anastasia recoils from Andrew's like slap and like she's like, I bruise. I bruise very easily. If you wish to secure larger, which I would suggest you do, there are two places you can do so. And if you're looking for a more raucous time, there's the thundering lizard. Or there's Caius House of Repose, if you want a good night's sleep. It is hot, by the way. Just swelteringly hot. 
She's leaning heavily on her cane and she's obviously exhausted from the effort that it took her to do this. And her hand kind of very shakily reaches out towards Juma. My dear, I believe I would like to retire. Oh, yes, yes, let, let's go back, please. I, I could help you. Thank you. So she is going to be staying with a friend named Wakanga Atamu. And Wakanga Atamu is one of the seven merchant princes who rule the city. When you all are ready, send word to Wakanga Atamu. I will come see you or invite you up to see him. Find your lodgings. We'll be here for at least two days, I would suspect. And find a guide to lead you in the jungle. Without one, you're as good as dead. And then she leaves. So we need a guide and a place to sleep. Mm-hmm. I recommend going to the church. Well, um... Call an old cleric buddy of mine? Can I be very honest with you? Yes. Churches make me a little uneasy. Why? Well, because I can't prove or disprove religion, and that is unsettling to me. Isn't that proof that it's right? Or it's proof that's wrong. Nope. You guys debate religion. I'm going to hit the bar. <laughs> <laughs> uh... We all want to go to the party place, right? I think so. I've, I've not been to a party. I imagine they'll have ale. Thundering Lizard does sound like an inn with a bar. Doesn't that place sound awesome? It sounds exciting. <laughs> Let's get there before this wine wears off. <laughs> Are you drunk currently? It takes a lot more than that to get me drunk. Oh. And, oh. and you can like see the top of a bottle like poking out of her So you guys start walking along the wharfs and towards a little deeper into the city. The Thundering Blizzard is close to the docks. That's where most of the uh, captains and, you know, as soon as they roll off the ship, they go right into the Thundering Blizzard. It is a uh, squat, two-story, gray stone building with a lot of ivy growing off the top. And it looks like there's a garden maybe on the rooftop of it. Most of these buildings are covered in flowing plants and vines. Most of them are painted up. This one isn't painted up, but there's a mural alongside it. And there's like this god and he's surrounded by all these dinosaurs and they all kind of seem to be looking up towards him as he's raising his hands but he's been etched out like there's been some lines ripped across his face and they, they look old where it's torn away from the paint the dinosaurs have been left alone they've even been updated and repainted so they're brighter but the god seems to have been neglected can i roll religion uh to see if i would have studied this god absolutely 22 a central figure in Chult's history is the greater god Ubutu, who long ago protected the, the land and Choltian civilization. He grew angry with the people of Chult because they were constantly infighting and warring amongst themselves, and he got tired of having to solve all of their problems for him. So one day he just up and left. He abandoned the people, and that's when most of their troubles happened. Uh, the jungles were overwhelmed with zombies, and a lot of other things have gone wrong. The dinosaurs that were here were creatures that had died out long ago, but that he brought back and were kind of his symbol. So the people still worship and love the creatures, even though they've fallen out of favor with him directly. Ah, yes. Mbutu. In fact, as you guys are walking towards this, there are dinosaurs in the streets. There are merchants carrying, now they're all small and they're muzzled and a couple of them have saddles on them and you can see people actually riding them around. Some of them are pulling carts, but they're basically used as livestock. Anastasia runs towards the closest dinosaur like someone would a puppy on the street. So there's a small juvenile allosaurus all muzzled up. Oh, hello. 
oh, I apologize. Hello, owner. I hate it when people, you know, just just come up to things and just start touching them. I will, huh? Hello. Yeah, no one can really own a dinosaur. They kind of own you. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> oh, oh, that's, oh, does it have a name? Fred. Fred. This Hello. is Fred. Hello. Fred. What an interesting name. Fred is a racer. <gasps> you race? Of course we race. Are you new? I am. There's a race tonight, actually. Oh. Where? Right here. They race them through the streets. We've got evening plans then. Yes. Yes. <laughs> is there gambling on these races? Oh, there is good gambling. And I would put some money on good Fred here. He's got quite a pair of legs. What do you think, Woolpusher? You look like a good dinosaur? Fred looks like the first and best dinosaur I've seen. And Fred just kind of <laughs> swings towards you and his nostrils like right in front of your face. And he snorts a little bit to blow your hair <sighs> back and then kind of leans in towards your neck. Now he's muzzled and it kind of feels like a kiss, but it also kind of feels like mm, he's tasting you. Fascinating. Shaking. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go into the Thundering Lizard. The Thundering Lizard. <laughs> I truly love the name of this place. The doors swing wide open and the smell of stale beer and smoke and sweat kind of wafts out at you as you head in. It's kind of a windowless, dark, wide open room and everywhere it's just covered in brightly painted shields and these kind of spear-like long weapons with ornate feathers off of them. And as you're looking around, you can kind of tell that it looks like team colors. Like obviously this is a bar where the racers would come to and hang out. <coughs> Have some constitution. <laughs> oh, this is this is fine. This feels like home. Mildred waddles up like a stool at the bar and like pops down. Assume you want ale as well? Yes? Yes. Yes. Three ales, please. The bartender just kind of looks at you and like, no ale. <laughs> we do have something better. Better than ale? <laughs> There's a local kind of sweet ale that they have, kind of like a fortified wine. Mm. And that's what they have here. Three of those, please. They basically put down a clay jug, heavy, and clay cups around it. And that costs you one gold. Okay, there you go. So Mildrake takes the pitcher and he pours two glasses and then he keeps the pitcher to himself. (laughs) (laughs) Anastasia takes something out of her bag that looks like kind of like a gel and puts it in her hands and like scrubs it around (laughs) and then begins to take a sip. And Endy just sips the thing, kind of nods, and then she pulls the bottle out of her pocket and adds like a good (laughs) swig into that. And then she like sips it again and she's like, yeah. There is an assortment of characters in this bar. Definitely a good place for information. As you talk to the barkeep for a while, rooms for all of you, there's going to be a, like a, basically a communal room just to yourself is going to be half a golden night. Fantastic. Great. I'm going to roll a perception to see um, who's around me. Like who looks like the friendliest person in this bar? <laughs> <laughs> of course, that's who you'd look for. Yes. Eleven. To you, logically, the friendliest person in this bar, you spot another half-elf. There is a female half-elf in a cloak, and as you kind of walk up, she kind of puts her hand to the side, and you see a little pseudo-dragon kind of pop up and look around and then pop back down under. I'm going to walk up to them. Hello, uh, greetings, other you. Oh, uh, hello. H- how are you? 
I'm doing well. My name is Anastasia. And, oh my goodness, I'm so nervous. Um, Anastasia, hmm, Anastasia Hemlock. Oh, that's a lovely name. Andy nudges Mildrake at the bar and gestures to Anna like, we need to go over there. There's no way she can be alone in this bar by um, herself. Okay, but people tend not to like me. Let's go. May, may I have a seat? Yeah, uh, yeah, r- right there. Go ahead. Have a, have a seat. I'm Sandella. Sandella, that's a lovely name. Is that is that a, a little dragon you have there? Oh, yes, it, it's it's a pseudo-dragon. His name's Summerwise. It's a pseudo-dragon? What's the difference between a pseudo-dragon and a regular dragon? Okay, yeah, we definitely got to get over there. <laughs> regular dragons aren't as smart. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. And he also does a spit take. <laughs> Mildred spits it back into the pitcher and then drinks the pitcher. <laughs> Nobody can get refills. Great, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> So, Indy and I have approached the table. Oh, and, and are these your friends? These are my colleagues, yes. Oh, you look like adventurers. That we are. What gave it away? <laughs> are you an adventurer? No, n- not really. I'm, I'm seeking my father. And I, I don't know if that's considered a great adventure or, or what, but um, he's, he's gone missing. Sure, it's an adventure. All life is a great adventure. That's a good one right there. When did you see him last? Well, the last time he was seen, it, it, it was in the city. People say that they saw him with a, a reptilian-type man who smelled very badly. Have you asked your tiny sentient dragon? <laughs> he seems like he would uh, have observed a lot in your presence. Zandela, I like this one. No, he, he doesn't, doesn't know. Perception, when she says that. 19. The dragon frowns a little bit and looks at her. Mm, then ducks back underneath the table. I want to buy your dragon a drink. Ooh, do dragons drink? Um, he drinks water. I'm going to buy him the nicest water this barkeep's got. <laughs> okay. Barkeep. Barkeep nods and turns around and goes to this, like, faucet and this wood, and it clearly goes up into the roof and just pulls it lever, water pours into it, and slams it shut. It clearly leads to a cistern of water a collection on the roof, but that is the finest water they have, and hands it back over. Thanks. And she tips him like a half gold. Oh, thank you. There you go, little guy. <sighs> she doesn't see him come out from under the table, but she kind of sees like two little hands, like raccoon hands, like <laughs> come out and just like snatch it and pull it back real quick. <laughs> were you close to your father? Yes, we were very close. Is there any reason you would, might have to think that he would have abandoned you? Or no, no, he wouldn't. You? No, he wouldn't in a million years. What is his dealing with reptilian folks? I don't know. Is that the right word? Reptilian? Is he a re- is he like a lizard man? I don't know. I've only heard his description. It's scaly. Well, there's plenty of scaly things out there. He could have a skin disease. Oh, he could have wasting disease. My uncle came down with something like that. <sighs> Eczema. That's what it's called. So you can remember the word for that, <laughs> not a lizard person. <laughs> I'm looking for help. And if you three can help me, well, that would be great. But if not, I need to go and find someone who can. Well, we were going to watch the dinosaurs race, but I feel like this is more important. I agree. I think it's a shame that your father might have left you, so I'm going to help you find him. He didn't leave me, though. Artist Simber would never leave me. Can you point us towards where the lizard folk lives? Or a general direction of where you saw him last. Oh, yeah, that would work. Well, the last he was seen was in a tavern, but he was seen leaving with the reptile man and heading into the jungle. Was it this tavern? Yes, it was this tavern. 
Well, we are planning on going to the jungle anyway, but we are in need of a guide. See, if we go by ourselves, then we will most certainly die. Do you know of anyone in the city that you can recommend us, you know, talking to? Oh, yes, there there are lots of guides in the city. Uh, you, you can find a guide in the port or, or, or at the fort or sometimes even in, in more seedier taverns. You can find guides there. See, all the guides here, they, they have to pay their due. All the guides must pay tribute to Jobel. You seem pretty scared of this Jobel guy. Oh, he, he is not a man you want to cross. Those who do not pay Jobel the fee, he beheads or enslaves or kills. Excellent. Oh. So he knows who the good guides are and who the terrible ones are. Can we go talk to Jobel? Yes. Um, you, you don't want to talk to Jobel if you- I really want to talk to Jobel. <laughs> who is Jobel adjacent? Does he have like a, like a second? Like a lead competitor Correct. who may be trying to edge in on his market. Good thinking. Excellent. I don't get it. The Zentarim are the only ones to actually rival Jobel, but that's on the black market. And I mean, you can find a very skilled guide there, but, but only danger awaits there. Sounds like we're going to need someone to guide us through the city. Can we borrow your dragon? What? Can we borrow your tiny dragon? Summerwise? Yeah. He would never agree to that. We're doing you a huge favor. We're looking for your dad. That's a major family relation there. You can't borrow me. That's right, because you own your person, so you have to choose to come with us. What? Yes, you own this person. Therefore, you have the agency to decide to come with us. I would say uh, persuasion. That's the one. Four. Yeah. <laughs> what nonsense are you talking here? Well, uh, own my person. Yes. Do you own this person? No, I don't. A, a pseudo dragon couldn't own a person. But 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 then who owns a pseudo dragon? No one owns me. Okay, nerds. <laughs> I have been lost for the whole conversation with this tiny ducking dragon. I want to go to the fort by yourself, so guide. Yes, we will look for a guide, and you have my personal promise that if we come across your father, which, by the way, what does your father look like? Good question. She would describe him as a man in his early 50s, tall, broad shoulders, silvered hair, and green eyes. So almost every man in his 50s. <laughs> <laughs> but also was dressed in red robes and carries a long, ornately carved walking stick. So you you will find him? If, if I find him, yes. Will you bring me with? Mm, I feel like you might be a liability. We'll bring the dragon. What? You, no, you can't take Summerwise. Well, how about this? You give me a trinket of yours that your father will remember you by. And so we, if we run into him, I can give him this trinket to prove that you're there, but you won't have to be there risking your life. No, I, I much prefer that I go with. I don't mind you coming, as long as I don't have to protect you. Lady, if your father turns out to be that dragon in disguise, I'm going to slap you. I would never be her father. Of course, you'd rather be a dragon. Well, yeah, I would what? rather... M Mildrake, what was that? <laughs> Wait. I can't. Mildrek, speak up. Oh, I said cute dragon. Oh, yes. I heard it. <laughs> so wait, are you our guide? I'm not a guide. No. Oh, okay. No. You are here as a guest and liability, but yes, come with us. Oh, yes. Please do not die. Oh my God. This is so much babysitting. <laughs> she like stands up, puts on her traveler's pack, summer wise, jumps up on her shoulder. We will need a guide. 
Correct. Yes? Yes. Established. Do you have gold? We have much gold. Hey, Anna, just Anna. <laughs> what? Negotiating. What? Oh, man. What? You really got to go to that seminar, man. You got no <laughs> idea how to negotiate. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, team, do we want a shifty, shady guide? No. Or do we want a noble good guide? A good one. Oh, with the white collar kind of crime? Absolutely not. We want the shady guide. Wait, Ugh. what crime are we committing? No, no, I'm just saying. Upper class people, they didn't get there by being on the up and up, all right? I don't write my own books, but I make a lot of money from them. See what you see what I'm getting at here? You're you, see, shady. you see what I'm getting at here? You're shady. And You're I a liar. Takes one to know what I just saying. <laughs> the guide from the underworld may be better long term. Well, any guide you hire that works with Jobel, you'll have to pay a fee. It's five gold pieces a day with a 30 day payment up front. Huh. That's 20, nope, 40 gold. It's five a day with a 30 up front. So, therefore, 150 gold. Up front. It's like all of our money. Hmm. Well, interesting. You guys don't but have that much money? Nope. Shh. Uh, guys. <laughs> guys. We, we do not. But. Oh, my God. Do we need a guide? We do need a guide, yes. You'll definitely need a guide. If you don't have the money to pay, perhaps we can go to the black market. Perhaps you'll have money. I've tried and I've been taken advantage of in the past and I no longer have any gold. No gold. What are you doing at a bar? I was waiting for, for someone to take pity on me and, and help me on my quest. Oh, this is exactly the kind of person I despise. You gotta go out and make your own <laughs> destiny, lady. She hand me a book says, make your own destiny, <laughs> <Yeah>. lady. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a picture of me on the cover with my arms crossed. It's and the like, same one on your winking. other books. Yes. <laughs> now, I don't like the idea of hiring a criminal. Well, they're not necessarily criminals. Oh. If anything, they're true. Because they're not being blackmailed into giving parts of their profit to Jobel. Hmm. This does make sense. Okay. But it is I'm very convinced. dangerous. It'll be great. It'll be great. We can handle this. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get our guide. Yes. To the black market. To the black market. <laughs> <laughs> we shout in the bar. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, don't say that. Don't say that out loud. <laughs> so you guys head back out? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So as you head out, storm clouds have gathered and there is some thundering in the distance. The streets are all cobblestone. There's wide rain gutters at the edge of all of them. And so as you look up towards the roof line, there are definitely contraptions set up to capture the rainwater. So this is a place that is used to downpours that are frequent. As you start out, you get about 20 feet before this older man begins stumbling towards you. His eyes seem wild and unfocused and his hands are grasping. And as soon as you grow near him, he just swings and grabs onto your beard. Speak to the wise guardian of Oralunga, east of Mambala. She can direct you to that which you seek collapses unconscious at your feet. I lay my hand on him and cast Cure Wounds. So there's a warmth beneath your palm and a glow and his eyes flutter and he wakes up. Oh, what, where am I? Uh, You're in the middle of the street. You were talking about finding what I seek? What you seek? Who, who are you? 
Oh, I am Mildred Brubblefish. I'm Endy, Dr. Andriana Jost. You, you may have heard of me. Uh, you were saying something about Ortolanga. Ortolanga? I do not know what what that even means or what that is. Uh, you know, we're seeking guides. We're seeking cures. Yeah, we're seeking a lot of stuff. We're seeking I, a dad. I, this I, is, I, our our I, list is getting pretty long I, here. I, 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 I don't know if he was in his body when he was saying those things. So you're saying he's useless now. Correct. All right. Well, go for it. Um, hold on, sir. Where were you when you stopped remembering things? What day is it now? All right, what do you got in your pockets? We're going to memento this. Leave my pockets alone. <laughs> oh, now I definitely... Turn them out. Leave me alone. Oh, Don't touch me. Oh, Z- what are your hands? Oh, no, what wait, are you doing? Hey, hey, Stop that. Hey, you touched my man's beard. You touched my man's beard, all right? <laughs> you grabbed you got, my beard. You got real handsy. Now you're not even going to... I even don't gonna- even remember that. The last thing I remember is being at Executioner's Run. And it's all a blank after that, and then you, and then waking up on this ground. Oh. Where? What's Executioner's Run? Sounds dangerous. Is there gambling? We should go. I thought that that's where they race each other. That's what I was thinking. What brought you there? Why would you be in Executioner's Run? Are you a criminal? It's basically made for the city's entertainment. You can go there and make bets and hang out and drink, meet people. While this is happening, Andy is trying to pick his pocket. I would like you to roll sleight of hand. Her total was seven. Gonna like slide your hand down into his pocket as you're kind of patting him on the shoulder, like that's okay, you're gonna be just fine. And you withdraw 11 silver, just a little teeny velvet pouch with 11 silver in it, and a couple feathers. And if you go to the Lizard Tavern, you might find who you're looking for. You don't have to go out to the executioner's place and watch people behead people. You know what I mean? Yes, I understand what a tavern is, young lady. Yeah, that's right. Love is where you find it. Let's go, guys. Yeah, let's let's go. <laughs> yeah, let's let's go. go. Thank you. Goodbye. You just robbed an old man that collapsed in front of you. <laughs> yeah, I just saved that man's life. I was going to do it while he was dead. <laughs> Can I roll perception to see if I saw that? I would say that because he you had your beard, it was in your face. You're going to roll at disadvantage because you were a little preoccupied, okay. but yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, five. She got away with it. Anna. Yes. You're you're a science. You're you're a I am a science. You're yes. a, you're a person of science. Ha! Do dinosaurs have feathers? Is the word out on that? Is that uh Some dinosaurs have feathers. Ah, oh, no, what? And I nod. Yes. <laughs> that one does, by the way. Uh, the little pseudo dragon definitely has feathers. Do you uh do you recognize any of these pseudo dragons? Hey, where'd you get those? Oh, you know, just uh pillow down. Shopping for pillows, redecorating my house, you know? And I and I don't want to um be um socially down on your action, but what you're doing is essentially showing a dragon like the equivalent of showing someone their toenails. Like you're taking parts that fell off another animal and you're showing it to another animal. That's It would be like hair though. Yes. Not like toenails. I don't clip my feathers. Do you recognize these feathers. Yes, I recognize those feathers. The feathers are used in racing. They are betting chips. So when they do betting on races, they actually pull feathers from the dinosaurs that are racing and then Ah. mark the edges with silver depending on what the race was. So you would buy these feathers, change your money, and then at the end you turn the feathers in and that would be your winning bet. Well, I guess we're going to have to cash these in. Hey people, this is Aram, Dungeon Master for God's Fall and this full series of Tomb of Annihilation. 
Our cast consists of Patrick O'Rourke, Carlos Luna, and Serena Marie from the Dungeon Rats, as well as improv actor and new cast member, Gwen Agnew. This episode was edited by Carlos Luna. All music was written by Carlos Luna. The Adventure was written by Christopher Perkins and is an official Dungeon & Dragons 5th edition supplement. As he describes it, Tomb of Annihilation is a story about death and the lengths individuals will go to avoid it. We plan to run through the entirety of Tomb over the next few months and will be posting new episodes on the feeds of both the Dungeon Rats and God's Fall. So thank you for joining us on our first adventure to the island jungle of Chult. Here's hoping everyone, or anyone, makes it out alive.